We got comic books and comics news, comics insights and reviews, comics girls and comics dudes, sipping on some freshly brewed. Cause it's comics and coffee, coffee. starting your day out the nerdy way. Comics and coffee, comics and coffee, starting your day out the nerdy way. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Comics and Coffee, starting your day out the nerdy way. I am Bobby Shortle, and I'm here with Nikki Alfaro. Good morning, guys. So after a week off, um, we are back and healthy once again. So we, we, we will continue this, this Comics and Coffee adventure. And for the second show in a row, DC has been kind enough to drop relatively big news um, before we are going to record, early in the morning before we're going to record. <laughs> Uh, this one we just have to thank um, Zack Snyder. I almost said Scott Snyder. Zack Snyder for it because he apparently woke up this morning and was like, I really want to share a picture of Aquaman with everybody. Um, and you know, once once again I woke up and there was this thing to do. There was this thing to look at. <laughs> um, so, and Nikki, before we started, I told you this thing where I always forget to turn the stream off before I start talking. It just happened again. <laughs> Thrown off by your own voice. Thrown off my own voice. <laughs> like, who is this other person talking? And then I forget that no one else can hear it but me. <laughs> and so then I'm like, oh, God, it's going to ruin everything. And then, nope, it's just, just the way it is. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get this. Uh, there it is. See if I can share this Momoko Man picture with everybody. But so they, he revealed this picture. Um, with this, with this title over it, it says Unite the Seven, which people are saying means Unite the Seven Seas, since he is Aquaman. Um, but straight up the image, Nikki, what did you what did you think of it? I thought it was fan-made at first. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, then I really looked at it, and I thought he's pretty much daring people to make fun of him, and it I would not dare to do that at all. <laughs> so he looks pretty badass, must say. And there, if you're watching the live stream, it's there. He's there. <laughs> um. Um, I wasn't sure how they'd do his costume, but I'm glad they went with him being shirtless. Mm -hmm. um, and I really like the tattoo designs. Yeah, the tattoo designs... I, I like how they took the look of the classic Aquaman kind of chainmail armor yeah. and made them the chainmail slash like fish scale. Yes, exactly. I guess fish scale is the more appropriate term for his <laughs> for his armor. Um, you know, I my only issue with it is, and again, this is a promo image. That's all we've we've all we've seen of any of the characters, right? That are going to be in the movie. So I don't I don't want to I don't want to jump to judgment about what they're going to look like in the film. Because, um, you know, I obviously a lot of critiques of Men of Steel, but the costume in Men of Steel is pretty good, and it wasn't, it, it had different, it, it would look bluer sometimes than other times. So there are times when the colors would pop and times where it wouldn't. So I don't want to say it's going to look like this, but again, it's very washed out. Um, you know, it, it, it's, there's not a lot of color. I, I hope that this gold that you see kind of threaded throughout um, the armor, the actual armor parts, pops a little bit more in the in the actual movie. Just because he just seems like to blend very much all together. 
Like every you know everything on his body is kind of the same color, and I just hope there's a little, little more pop there. Uh, you know, I, I I've always been a fan of the fact that. Look, I love Aquaman. Like, especially, I mean, I love like the Jeff Johns Aquaman stuff, and and I love that who that character is, and I love the classic look of Aquaman. But look, we don't need <clears throat> another blonde-haired, blue-eyed dude in in the universe, right? We we it's nice that they're going a different way. And Momoa is a is a freaking badass, and so I, I think that he'll definitely bring that to this, you know, to to this. And also, he's supposed to be. They're supposed to come from a race of ancient beings, and there really weren't white people in the ancient world, so I'm, it, it makes much more sense, um, you know, uh, for for Momoa to be to be this character. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited about it. I mean, again, I I hope the colors pop a little bit more when, when we see it in the movie, but I I do like it. What do you think about the the kind of color layout of everything? I wasn't surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, Considering it's Snyder, so washed right. out colors, it's all going to be not as um, superhero bright. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was kind of hoping he'd have a hook for a hand, but that was <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> yeah, a couple movies down the line, we'll get we'll get the hook. Yeah, um, but it's uh, it's a pretty good look. I mean, I don't know what. I was expecting for Jason Momoa Aquaman. Yeah. But this is unsurprising, but still pretty exciting at the same time. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I like the, the, the uh, I guess it's not a trident anymore because it's five prongs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but regardless of that, I think the that it fork. looks... Pretty, yeah, it looks a giant fork. <laughs> uh, it looks pretty cool. And they're definitely an aesthetic, and I like I like the... The aesthetic that they're going for, you know, if they can bring this to, because what it, what it automatically does too is it begins to fill in in your brain what the rest of Atlantis w- will look like, you know, what 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 the influences will be and stuff like that, and I, I think that's very cool. You know, I, I I think Aquaman has the potential to do some stuff that, much like what Thor did, which introduced us to this world that's completely different, completely foreign, that has. Um, its own history and its own life, and I want to see that also from the Aquaman side of things, like we got with Thor and Asgard. So, it it has obviously we're not getting an Aquaman solo movie. I think until 2017. I think is when it, when it comes out. I'm pretty sure 2018. Sorry, 2018 is when the Aquaman movie comes out. But he's going to be in Batman versus Superman. So hopefully we'll get a hint of what that's all about. But he. It's a little bit desaturated, but I think also pretty. He looks pretty badass. I wouldn't mess with this guy. Speaking of Aquaman and movies, have you watched Throne of Atlantis? I have not watched Throne of Atlantis yet. I have been relatively disappointed with the last few DC animated movies, so I have not watched that one yet. Have you seen it? Uh, kind of. Unfortunately, I mean, it was pretty. I must say, Mira is. Uh, pretty ruthless. Yeah. Uh, her action scenes were crazy. Um, but they changed a lot of it. So instead of her being from like a princess or queen from an enemy um, underwater kingdom, uh, she is now captain of the Queen's Guard. That disappointed me a lot. Um, 
I don't know what, I can't really remember what else about that movie <laughs> bugged me. It's probably a good thing, but the action scenes were worth the watch, in my opinion. I'll check it out then. I mean, you know, I, I forgot which one was the one. Oh, the Justice League, I can't remember what they called it. It was it was the one with Dark Side, the first. War. War, Justice League War, which is yeah. the interpretation of the Jeff Johns one. You know, I, I I didn't find it offensive like some other people did, but I definitely thought it lost a lot of what that story was doing, and I didn't even think that, that story was that great in the first place. So, <laughs> uh, and they I didn't cut out the best part with Aquaman, like oh yeah, with the 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 out of yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, uh, yeah, and so I wasn't happy with that, and I. I haven't seen actually uh, the the Damien one, Batman and Son. I guess was the one they put out, and so I and I love Thorn of Atlantis. I think it was the first time that Justice League in the comics started to be really great. Started to be a really great book. Don't and, watch it thinking it's gonna be like that. Yeah, so. <laughs> like it, I, that's <laughs> probably why I just wasn't. Um, I was so disappointed with that movie because I also love Throne of Atlantis in the mm. comics. Mm. Yeah, so I, I'll definitely check it out. I just I haven't had a, had a chance to check any of those out in, in a while. Um, but if you guys have any thoughts on uh, Jason Momoa as Aquaman, please uh, tweet at us with the hashtag uh, #TalkingJava, and we'll we'll get back to you guys and, and we'll we'll read out your questions and your comments on air. Um, I want to talk about one book that came out this week. That you reviewed, Nikki. Uh, Silk number one from Marvel Comics, spinning out from the pages of Spider Verse, <laughs> is what the the book, the book, uh, you know, I, advertises. It's I was really I, trying not to have that pun in my review. <laughs> I was like, uh, don't put that. Don't put any web slinging puns. <laughs> you got. You, it's it's tough to do in in Spider Man centric reviews, but. <laughs> It's written by Robbie Thompson, who is known best for writing on Supernatural, uh, the television show Supernatural, and it's art by Stacey Lee. So, you know, for me, when I... when I This got announced uh, right alongside the Spider-Gwen announcement at New York Comic Con, and it was definitely, I, I feel like for everybody, it, it was the backseat announcement compared to that announcement. And But this book is out first, so, Nikki, you reviewed it, what did you go in expecting, and what did you get out of it? I I tried to keep my expectations low, uh, like we talked about before um, uh, going live. I was pretty burned by Spider Woman, um, but I was excited because uh, I knew that it was starting after Spider Verse, so I knew it wasn't going to start in the middle of this big event. Um, and I was mostly scared as well. Uh, there's because in in the Amazing Spider-Man, she's very much uh, kind of a plot device, I think. Um, and right from the start, she's like making making out with Peter. Like they have a pheromone thing, and I was worried that maybe they wouldn't make her her own character in her own series. Um, I was glad to be proven wrong. Really, really surprised, and um, she's very much her own character. And she, um, the flashback scenes were uh, 
were really essential with helping establish her uh, not only as her own character but as as an Asian American character. Um, I said this in the review, but the art really helped with the flashbacks because there were little things like the paintings in the background, or I'm just like that's that's such an Asian American household <laughs> that um, really helped authenticate that for me. Um, so I really loved it. Um, I recommended it to two people at the Silver Snail uh, Wednesday, and I went back to the snail uh, yesterday. And I went, uh, I went, and I, I think for both was just like I love it. I hate you. I love it so much because you know adding something else to the full list. Yeah. Not... <laughs> so that's the best reaction I could have to recommending this book. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was the same way with the book. I mean, not. I, I had just finished actually just finished reading Spider Verse. Just caught up on it. I'd only read the first issue, and then I kind of. Hoover the f- two through six, and <clears throat> I had liked her character in it. I had liked kind of the idea of her character in it that she had she had set up as this person who just uh, she didn't follow what other, what everyone else told her to do. She had a sense of duty and a sense of um, and a sense of self that sometimes made her do stupid stuff, sometimes made her do great stuff. And I like that about a character. You know, I like mm-hmm. that character can be fallible, but they're trying to be their own person. So. I liked that about her, but I, I, I felt like you did a little bit. She was a little bit of a plot device, and I felt like she was never really fully fleshed out in, in, in the pages of, of Spider-Man. But here, almost right off the bat, she becomes a fully-fledged character, and she, while still remaining feeling really in that kind of Spider-Man tradition. You know, mm-hmm. because reading her, she really feels like a younger version sometimes of Peter, where, you know, in the older kind of Spider-Man books where she's making a lot of mistakes, she's doing some stupid stuff. You know, and she she's trying to make quips. She's trying to make quips, exactly, <laughs> which I love I love that part of it. That, you know, she, she's the only person she's ever really seen do this is Peter, and all he does is make quips, right? So she's trying to follow along with kind of her mentor and all this stuff. And because of that... Uh, you know, and she's not very good at it either. She's she's horrible at it. So, I really liked that stuff. I liked the way that they positions position Peter in the story, kind of always sitting on a stoop eating, kind of <laughs> talking to her, like kind of on the phone or whatever, trying to help her out. And I love how he's always going, "Good talk, Cindy. Good talk." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I I enjoyed that about their dynamic and their relationship, and. I love the flashback stuff. I thought filling out that idea that Slop brought into the, the the amazing book with her being in this bunker for all that time and coming out, starting to fill in maybe you know why she did what she did, you know what what were the motivations behind it, what did she give up, what did she lose? Those are things that we don't really get in Amazing Spider-Man. So I love that about it. I love that it's street level stuff and that brings it back down to being moment-to-moment on the streets. Not a giant bad guy, not some crazy world-ending plot. It's just, I need, I'm need. i trying to be a good person, I'm trying to be a hero, and these are my problems and struggles with it. Um, because as much as I like... I, I, I've loved Dan Slott's run on Spider-Man. And I've, I've liked the, the bigger stories that he's done as well. But to me, Spider-Man is always at his best when he's in that sort of situation. And I love seeing her in that situation. 
the st- I loved the art. I-, I thought the art was fantastic. I thought that Stacey Lee, it's it's cartoonish enough and, and fun enough, where it- and silly enough, where it's it has that energy to it. But it mm-hmm. also works when it gets more intimate and emotional and and grounded. And yeah, the heavy, like- heavy lines were great with mm-hmm. the dynamic action scenes. Yeah. Um. And like you said, the intimate scenes were very, um, very emotional as well. Yeah, I, I, I loved it, and I really, actually, really enjoy her, her costume design. I, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, I, I thought it was really good. I'm, I'm very excited to read more of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, other books. Obviously, I'm gonna end up talking about a bunch of books this week. <laughs> but I will just say, Multiversity, The Mastermen. Grant Morrison, Jim Lee, is effing amazing. And the first page of it is Hitler pooping on a toilet reading Superman. So full page spread of that. <laughs> and I honestly think that it is my favorite Jim Lee art ever. I've looked through it. It's pretty, um, it's pretty amazing and... I kind of couldn't really believe that it was Jim Lee, not because he wasn't—he was never good, but it was—it's just—it's never been so. Um, I don't know. It was just—it was kind of unrecognizable for a minute until mm-hmm. I looked at who was who was doing the art. Um, I haven't actually gotten a chance to read it all the way through, but I'm excited. Yeah, it. it, it what I'll say about it is that obviously there's a lot of big ridiculous stuff that happens in it. But Jim Lee is being more reserved here than I think I've seen him ever be. You know, Superman doesn't have you know six thousand abs like he even in Unchained. You know, Unchained he had so many abs, all the abs <laughs> around Superman. And here it's more reserved. I like that a lot. And what I love about it is that Grant Morrison, he, he's kind of famously had kind of beefs with both Alan Moore and with Mark Millar, and instead of getting into some pissing match with them over social media or whatever. He, in Multiversity, he's basically done versions of the, their basically most famous books. You know, <laughs> He's done Pax Americana, which is Watchmen, and this, which is very much a Red Sun play. Yeah. Basically saying, like, look, you did, this, you did these series. I'm going to do as well as you did or best you in one issue. <laughs> and I, I think that's it's pretty... It's a pretty badass thing to do, but I'll talk much more about the Multiversity Mastermen uh, on, on Talking Comics. Um, we had a couple of questions that we need to get to. First of all, <clears throat> from a few weeks ago, the last time we did the show, we, we fully planned to answer this question and did not get a chance because of the big, big DC news. But uh, this is from Tony on the forums, and he says, What do you guys think about surrealist-leaning art in comics? Sometimes I love it. Mobius, Brendan Graham, King Kirby, J.H. Williams III on Sandman Overture, Christian Ward on Odyssey, Greg Caccini on Low, and Marios on Pretty Deadly. Um, sometimes I Can't Stand It, Tula Latoy on Supreme Blue Rose, Ron Wimberly on She-Hulk, Felipe Andre on Captain Marvel, Dave McKean on everything he's ever done, including Arkham Asylum, and sometimes I land somewhere in between. Jeff Lemire on Lost Dogs, Jock on Witches, Bill Sienkiewicz on New Mutants. Is it something that usually turns you on or off? What do you think, Nikki? Um, for let's see, uh, J.H. Williams III, um, I basically got back into comics um, with 
uh, Batwoman Elegy. Mm -hmm. uh, that one, that book helped a lot. So um, that was the first time where the surreal, I guess, esque aspect of uh, comic book art was um, um, that I was exposed to it. Uh, and I, I obviously I enjoyed that a lot because it, it got me hooked on DC Comics. Um, but at first, I, I kind of avoided it because it was so weird and crazy. But then once I got to sit down and read it, I was blown away. Um, things like Pretty Deadly, um, I looked at it and it was really pretty, but I had to put it down and not read it single issues. I mean, I still got them, but once the fifth issue is out, I had to read them all at once. And that's when I I was just like, this is really pretty, but also there's a story to it. So I think a lot of it goes towards uh, the storytelling aspect, and um, if I require the complete picture, if I still have the complete picture and I still don't know what's happening, then um, that's when it loses me. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean. To me, it's it's a it goes back and forth. It's never uh, it's never one or the other. But to me, um, there are times where I absolutely love it, and like J.H. Williams is great, and I, I I think his Batwoman stuff was always it was always beautiful and, and out of the box. But I never felt like I was confused by what he was doing yeah. in in those things. Um, but I always say this about books is that. I, I feel like you get one or the other. You know, if, if your art is insane and surreal, then your writing has to be much more grounded and, mm -hmm. and brought down and, and be a straightforward story. Because if I have to be straining on both sides to try to figure out what story you're telling, mm -hmm. I, I tune out. I can't do it. You know, I, 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 don't, I, I don't end up um, enjoying what I'm reading. It happened with the... Uh, the most re the Winter Soldier, the 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 Aleshkot and uh, shit, I can't remember the artist right now. He did the art for that New Avengers Doctor Strange book, which it's just slipping my mind right now. It's completely slipping my mind right now. Um, but they they did. He also did the art for that Spider Man, um, the, the Marvel Knight Spider Man book with um, Matt Fraction. But it, it was Aleshkot is a weird writer. Uh, and the art was so strange, you know, that I just, I couldn't focus on any one bit of what was happening. And it just tuned me out of it. It just completely took me out of what was happening. And that's a real shame, you know. It's a real shame for something like that to happen. Something like Witches, I have no problem with it. Because it, the, the, the way the art is, is laid out, it's meant to make you feel uncomfortable. It's meant to make you feel like I don't know what... I don't know what's going on, what's real, what's not real. And, and the panel layout is pretty standard, I yes. think. Yeah, the so panel that helps. Yes, absolutely. And, and so because of that, I like it. I'm in. You know, like something like Green Wake as well with Riley Rossimo and, and Curtis Weeb, that book, the art is, is surreal and, and sometimes it's tough to it's tough to look at almost. It almost feels like you're looking at it through like a filter. But that story is meant to portray that, and the art goes hand in hand with it. Uh, you know, and then there's stuff, I mean, obviously, like stuff like Sandman Overture, it's just gorgeous. And it's a little bit, Neil Gaiman can be a little bit um, difficult to understand sometimes. He's, he's playing with bigger ideas 
than most writers are playing with. But it's such like a masterpiece on both sides that even when I don't understand all of it, I still kind of go along with it. Uh, but and then when it comes to superhero stuff, it definitely it definitely takes more for it to be something I want in a in a kind of standard superhero story. You know, I, I don't necessarily need the the kind of art that is no is classically known as superhero art to be in everything, but in a certain point, if I'm reading something month to month, like a superhero comic, I, I, I want the art to portray the heroic nature of whatever character that I'm reading. Um, and, and so I, I need that to be a little bit more straightforward, I think, than most of my uh, like indie, indie art stuff. Is there any difference for you there, Nikki? Do you... Um, I'm... The superhero stuff, I am a little bit more, um, yeah, very much like you. The mm -hmm. traditional stuff doesn't, um, as long as the story's on point and, like, I can follow it, I'm fine. But I do, um, I do enjoy when, um, when stuff like David Aja on Hawkeye or when people play with that standard format of, um, uh, the, panel layouts uh, to make action scenes more dynamic and um, f flowy and um, to have that movement a little bit more um, animated. It's always nice to see. Yeah, absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, I, on the podcast, I, I mean, everyone was a big fan of the, the Andre stuff on Captain Marvel, and I, I always liked it, but I was always the, the kind of the only voice that was just kind of like, you know, I like it, but it sometimes it's a little bit too much for me on on a book like this. Um, it, it just the the extre the extremeness of kind of like the fashion type of art that that it goes in there, the 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 liquid television look of it, <clears throat> I thought worked really well sometimes, and sometimes it, it was great. Like there were times with the the little girl character that emotion and it really worked. <clears throat> and I'm not crying. I'm just my uh, <laughs> I got something stuck in my throat, but the emotion of it really worked. But there are other times where like the big action stuff, it just it didn't it didn't work for me as much. Um, that's my personal leanings on it. You know, I I think the David Lopez art that is going on right now, I think is kind of the perfect in between between mm -hmm. that and and, and so, like where Dexter Soy started with it. You know, the, the ultra extreme epic art. You know, David Lopez is somewhere in between them and Felipe Andre. And, uh, yeah, so for me, in superhero books, like I said, it's it's, low rough. it's it's Like, if the Emma Rios art from Pretty Deadly was in Captain Marvel, let's say, I don't think I would be as positive about it as I am when it's in Pretty Deadly. So, it's a, it's a, it's a, it goes back and forth. Uh, let's see here. Alright. Um, let's see. Uh, I've answered this question a bunch. Um... Uh, on talking comics, but I want to hear your 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 take on it, Nikki. Uh, at Kid uh, Omega asked uh, if we have any specific routine traditions for what we read in comics when, when we read comics. Um, since I started doing reviews for Talking Comics and um, Silver Snail, I've had to be a little bit more. Um, on top of reading comics every week. So uh, if I have any advanced copies, I will read them um, Monday or Tuesday. Um, 
to let that uh, let the story um, sink in a little before I start writing a review. I'm always at the snail every Wednesday, and I try to get there early enough so I can uh, sit down and write. Um, but if I get distracted, that's when I'll read the comics I'm most excited for. So at the top of the pull list, uh, <laughs> they'd, they'd um, be read pretty quickly. Uh, for the rest of it, it's just if I find myself sitting in my room and like going through the comics and... Um, that's when I just sit down and read it. Like I'd be cleaning or I'd be putting away comics and then be like, I haven't read this yet. And then I would not be cleaning for the next hour and just like reading through it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's that's a routine, I guess. Yeah, I don't really have that big of a routine with it. I mean, it, it depends really, but um, I used to have it like when I... When I was single and lived alone, I had like a thing that I would do. But you know, w once you're in a live with someone and you're in a in a serious relationship, and of course I'm married now, so it's about a serious relationship as I guess. Um, you know, it, you have to kind of find more time <clears throat> and grab more time when, when you when you can. And most of my comic reading is done right before bed. Like I'll kind of lay in bed and and read until I until I kind of fall asleep is what I what I usually do. Um, you know, I'll put stuff. I'll order my comics kind of in the way that I want to read them, and what I'll try to do is I'll try to always alternate at least every one or two, one that I really, really am excited to read and one that I'm kind of like, I'm just a little bit excited to read so that I'll make sure I read the one that I'm not necessarily that, that pumped for because if I leave it to the end, it ends up not getting read. And I guess you can <laughs> put away in the, in, the, in the boxes and then it never, and then it just goes away forever. Um, so and I, and there's some books that I wish I hadn't you know that I've read much later that I wish I had read the first time so I've been up on them the whole time. So I, that's what I try to do when it comes to when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, and, and finally, um, at Liberal Bastion wants to know um, if we were to hypothetically create our own comic book publisher and could take any characters, which ones would we take? So give, just give me three characters, Nikki. Who would you take? Um, I would take. The Runaways. I would take teams. I take the Runaways. I would take the movement, and um, I would take uh, Teen Titans. Jeff Johns era. <laughs> All right. That was kind of cheating, maybe. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that was that was that was very much cheating. No. <laughs> so really, you're just bringing the Runaways over to DC. Is really what 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 happened? Kinda. I'm just taking all the underused characters. That mm -hmm. I love. That's a good move. I that like I that really move. Love so. There yeah, go. <laughs> that's that's good. I like that. I like that. Um, I would probably. It's funny because I, I think I would take. Hmm. I would take Tim Drake. I would take Wally West, uh, and this is like also kind of like Jeff Johns era <laughs> Teen Titans stuff, and a little before. Um, and I'm trying to think if there who else I would take. You know, I would probably still end up taking. I, I don't really want to have a publisher or, or without having Spider-Man. So I think those are the three characters I, I would take with me. Um, I just and again, two of them underused. One of them obviously used as much as anybody else. But I, I, but that's to get the readers. Exactly. <laughs> the readers. <laughs> it's like I remember at Comic Con a couple of years ago, uh, Hickman was talking about his Avengers book when he when, just before he started it. He's like, yeah, of course, um, Spider-Man and Wolverine are there because you know. We like to make money, <laughs> so you gotta have somebody to bring them in. But 
I just want Tim Drake to have a great book again. It's been so long, and I, I feel like a broken record because I talk about it every couple of weeks, I feel like, oh, on the Tim show. Tim Drake, pre-New 52, was, yeah. um, was an amazing character. Yeah. I, I really loved um, him and Superboy, but uh, yeah, he Superboy was definitely... Great. He was definitely up there. Yeah, that uh, that Chris Yost Red Robin series uh, that was happening right before the end of the New Fifty Two was just a fantastic series. That was yeah. amazing. I um, what I loved about the uh, pre New Fifty Two era, uh, like right before it, was that you could see everybody's character growth mm-hmm. from when they were first introduced. Yeah, totally. Um, like Superboy, uh, Stephanie Brown. Uh, Red Robin and uh, Cassandra Kane. they were at this point where you're just like, it's kind of exciting where they're going and where they're at, and to to look back and see where they were when they were first introduced. Um, yeah, totally. And that whole that whole era of kind of uh, Batman stuff, right around the, like the, when they, post-Final Crisis, when, they, when Bruce Wayne was gone for a little mm-hmm. while, I thought well, all was really, really good. You know, Dick Grayson as Batman. Yeah. All that stuff. The, Black Mirror, the, amazing. Yeah. yeah, Black Mirror is amazing. You know, the the Batman Inc. stuff that was coming out then, Batman and Robin stuff that was coming out then. Um, I guess not Batman. Batman Inc. was after he came back, but Batman and Robin stuff. What with Damian and and Dick, I thought was fantastic. And you know, I I, I love the that push that pushed right Tim to go out and do his own thing because he got replaced as as Robin. And I, I loved I loved that stuff completely. And, you know, I, I'm totally fine with Tim being just in the Teen Titans, in the League of Teen Titans. I just want him to have a good book to be in <laughs> where he gets to be like Tim Drake because the great thing about Tim Drake, and I lo- this is why I love the Robins in general because I love how varied they are mm-hmm. and how they became the, the character. And they, they, they've sort of rejiggered Dick's origin to make it him more like Tim. I feel like, where he sort yeah. of figured out that Bruce Wayne was Batman. Uh, but that was my favorite thing about uh, about Tim, was that Tim didn't come, didn't start fighting crime because he was, his parents died in, a, in, a, in an accident and was looking for justice. He didn't start fighting crime because Batman found him on the streets and, and he, was, he, was a, he was a rough youth and he needed help, like Jason Todd. Tim was just this ridiculously smart kid who wanted to, much like Barbara as Batgirl, who wanted to do better for the world, who wanted things to be better, who wanted to do his part. And he was so smart and such a great detective that he figured out that Bruce Wayne was Batman. Basically went to him and said, I'm not going to tell anybody that you're Batman, but I really, really want to be Robin. You know, that's basically what happened. And then he was... um, I really enjoyed the fact where he was going through this time where he realized that he he would be a good replacement Batman, uh, mm-hmm. and he he could see that this is where the path was leading him. But he was really having trouble with it because he didn't want to be Batman. Right. Um, yeah. And I really enjoyed that about his character. Yeah. Uh, that was about like <sighs> sins of youth, I think. Sins. Yeah. And then Teen Titans. Uh, yeah. too, when they went to uh, the future, I think, mm-hmm. where, and he was Batman, and he didn't like himself as Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that stuff is that stuff is great, and yeah, I, I, that's what I miss about that about that character. I miss the that character being such a great detective and doing all of those things, and 
you know, uh, so that's why I would take him. And I love Wally only because Wally is funny, and he was the he was the Flash that I grew up with, right? That I he was in the he was in the Justice League cartoon. He was you know so I I I grew up thinking about him as the Flash, and I love Barry. I think Barry's a great character, but I just wish Wally was also there as kind of a counterpoint to to yeah. what to what Barry did. But yeah, thank you guys for for those questions. That was great. Um, please keep writing in. You can. Tweet us at Talking Comics and hashtag Talking Java, and we'll make sure to read out your questions on on the air and talk about them. If you guys want to get in touch with me personally, I'm at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Nikki, I am at I am Asian Batgirl, and we'll be back next week with another edition of Comics and Coffee. Thank you guys for starting your day out the nerdy way with us. Cause it's Comics and Coffee. Comics and Coffee. Starting your day out the nerdy way. Comics and coffee, comics and coffee, starting your day out the nerdy way.